For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. With James on another scouting trip, it's two up top tonight and that means that leading the line is Cole. Cole, how have you been since we last spoke? Yeah, really good, Dan. You know, things keep moving our way, don't they? So, uh, enjoying life at the moment. Absolutely. Well, after such an impressive performance last week, Steve has once again earned himself a place on the podcast. So, Steve, I hope all is well with you. Yeah, great, thanks. You're not in off the subs bench, am I? I don't know. Well, asking for a first-team place at the moment. You know, you're keeping James, <laughs> keeping James on his toes. So um, Knocking on the door. Absolutely. Right, before we chat all things football, let's get the social media bits out of the way. So don't forget to subscribe to the Come On You Spurs app, where the podcast will be available each and every Tuesday morning. You can follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at COYS underscore COM. We're on all the major audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, you name it, we're on there. Right then, let's get down to business. And that business is the Champions League draw, which took place on Monday. So, Cole... It could have been worse. That said, RB Leipzig is not going to be easy, is it? No, I mean, top of the Bundesliga at the moment, aren't they, Dan? So, you know, obviously, yeah, you can't go into this kind of assuming you've got a, a lesser side that you're going to brush brush away. Um, there'll be a t- It'll be a tough game. Uh, I, I'm one of those. I'm not wasn't really too fussed who we got, to be honest, because for me, you know, this is the best competition in club football. So, you want to play the best. Um, but I think we have got a good side here and, and anyone going into this potentially writing them off and thinking that, you know, we've got a foot in the next round, I think, you know, that would be a very silly move because, you know, this is not a bad side um, and, and we'll have to play to our, our best ability to, to overcome them over two legs. And Steve, as Carl says, it's no way a foregone conclusion. However, with the way the draw has panned out, there's going to be some big teams that are going to fall by the wayside. Some of the pairings do look quite juicy. So you clear this hurdle... You'd have to consider us with, you know, not a bad chance. You know, things then start to open up, don't they? Well, yeah, you get into the quarterfinals. And as you know from last year, we drew, you know, the only fixture we didn't want was Man City. Uh, we certainly didn't want Man City with the with the second leg being there, and and then of course we went through. So um, you know it's just it's just a joy to be um, you know we eating our Christmas dinner and Boxing Day and seeing all the family of the non Spurs supporters, you know, and and, and we're, we're sitting there going, um, say what you want, guys, we're uh, and girls, sorry, uh, you know, we're we're in the last sixteen of the Champions League. Um, even if we don't you know get the result against Chelsea coming up, um, we've still got that to to to, to say to everybody especially you know your Arsenal fans or West Ham or whatever um, it's uh, you know we're in, we're, uh, we're in there with the big boys and I think as well Dan it's, you know, we mustn't forget we've got the master kind of Champions League manager at the helm as well now haven't we so you know we've got a guy who knows what it takes to get to get through these sort of tight games well that was going to be my next question actually Carl because obviously Mourinho has won his competition twice hasn't tasted success in nearly a decade however he has got that pedigree so you're sort of looking at and thinking well, if we do have to meet Europe's, let's say, true elite, then he's probably the best man to have at the helm. Yeah, that's right. I think it was um, Benucci, wasn't it? The Juventus captain who, when Jose was appointed, suddenly turned around and said, well, listen, actually, now all those teams who finished top, the one side that actually you won't fancy facing now will be Tottenham after Jose has gone in there because you know he knows what it takes to get the job done in this sort of competition and those sort of tight games. Um, so, so we may have an ace 
up our sleeve there in, in the manager we've got at the moment. So, yeah, you, know, you certainly wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't write it off, would you? What, what a fairy tale. And Steve, obviously, we can't get ahead of ourselves because we'd be, uh, well, we'd be idiots if we were. But if we do get the better of RB Leipzig, I think everyone is going to be looking at the winners of Atlanta or Valencia as the team they'd really like to meet in the quarterfinals. You get them and then all of a sudden you're looking at a place in the final four, aren't you? Yeah, like I say, you know, this is the this is the uh, competition you want to be in. This is what uh, you know we bang on about week in week out. Um, you know, at the moment, this is what everyone's talking about. No one's talking about oh, why aren't we playing Leicester tomorrow night, or oh, why aren't we you know playing Man United away tomorrow night in in the car you know Carabao Cup, whatever it's called these days. Most people don't even know it's on. So, uh, you know, forget all this, we need to win a trophy uh, thing, because as soon as, you you know, the Champions League draw comes out, as soon as you get a massive victory in the league um, and, you, and you start looking at the, the, the Premier League, that's when the priorities start, you know, overtaking. And you sort of, you know, look around and go, wait there, where, where's all this um, uh, talking of winning trophies thing gone? You know, you've just you just celebrated like like mad, and when you know it's the uh, only three points behind Chelsea trophy, um, and then um, and then you've got this Champions League, which we've all got to look forward to. Um, yeah, this the, this is the big stuff. This is what the big boys do, and uh, we're with them. We're in there. And we talk of Europe's elite, and whether you include Bayern in that bracket is up for debate. But Cole, Wednesday's run out. Against Munich, a dead rubber, wasn't it? You know, there's no pulling our punches there. But do you want to give a small take on your offering at the Allianz? Well, I think it, it, we said, didn't we, last week that, you know, none of us were fussed about this game and we were quite happy that, you know, the kind of team was going to be mixed up and, you know, we were happy that we left all the big guns at home and, and none of us really cared what happened in that game. And to be honest, you know, the performance was kind of what you'd expect when you've changed the team around so much and giving certain players a chance to try and go and improve, you know, prove themselves. Um, I think, you know, the only thing we could really take out of that game against Bayern was that we kind of saw that some of the backup players we've got and squad players are not good enough um, and will need to be moved on if we're going to look for bigger and better things because you just need more quality than what those players can offer. Um but yeah, I think we got the sort of performance that a changed up squad and a game that was a dead rubber was. So I don't really think anyone was too fussed by the end. It wasn't a city score line, you know. Obviously, it was nice not to get a sort of seven or eight nil drubbing at their hands. And, you know, we did have a few chances where we could have, you know, made it even tighter than it was. But yeah, I don't think any of us were fussed. But I think, you say, the one thing it proved was that, you know, there are some players that need to be moved on and we'll need to get some better ones in. Steve, anything to add to that in particular? Um, just, you know, the, the, looking at it from different points of view, I know that Mourinho sort of said at the end, um, yes, we lost 3-1, um, but Sonny certainly had a couple of good chances towards the end, and 3-2 is certainly, you know, not an embarrassing scoreline away from home. Um, as, as we said last week, it was a dead rubber. It meant absolutely nothing. Um, you know, uh, the unfortunate thing is guys like the Chelsea, uh, you know, didn't show us anything that he's about. Um, it did, in a way, show what Danny Rose was all about. I don't think he was on, he was on the bench for Wolves, was he? Um, so, you know, it, it, it was it kind of showed you what a couple of players, um, you know, what we're, were all about, really. Um, I didn't want to see that many, actually, um, playing. Um, and, uh, you know, we, I suppose we were a bit lucky getting away with the injury because obviously one of their players got pretty badly injured. Um, 
But look, you know, it, it, I'll tell you what it reminded me of. Um, Gary Lineker tells this story of they were playing Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup final in 91. And about four games before that, they were playing them in the league in, a, again, a dead rubber game. It didn't mean anything. And Gary Lineker made the conscious decision to play rubbish. And he tells this story. <laughs> and he goes, I, I, I actually decided to be offside loads of times. I actually decided that I wouldn't control it and, and be rubbish. And the game ended 1-1 or something. And, and, and uh, Steve Chettle um, was marking him. And he said he thought, what I'll do is I'll give Steve Chettle every ball. And in the final, and this is a true story, and Des Walker tells this story as well. He told, told it on my podcast a couple of years ago. He said in the final, uh, Brian Clough put Steve Chettle on Gary Lineker. Because he said, you were so brilliant the other day against him, I'm putting you on him again. And of course, if you remember the game, Gary Lineker was absolutely fantastic in that first half. Should have had a goal disallowed, uh, it shouldn't have been. Went around the goalkeeper, unfortunately missed the penalty, but, but was sensational. And in the second half, Des Walker walked up to uh, Gary Lineker in the tunnel and went, yeah, nice try, but I'm marking you this half. And, uh, you know, Gary Lineker didn't really get a sniff for the rest of the game. And obviously, Paul Stewart got the goal. But... Um, And the point I'm making here is, look, they've beaten a 7-2-3-1. If we play them again, psychologically, are they thinking, brilliant, we've got Tottenham. And then the big guns come out and we, and we, you know, and we play properly. So, you know, I'm just all positive vibes. Uh, You know, that's the way I'm looking at it. One of the questions that did come off the back of that game, Carl, was from our regular contributor at JCM Spurs. He said... That he felt it was a bizarre selection in terms of lineup from Mourinho. He played two number tens, being the Celso and Ericsson. Ericsson on the right wing, and Mora was moved into Kane's number nine spot when Parrott was available. So he feels that should Parrott have been bloodied against Bayern, or be asking a little bit too much of a seventeen-year-old young talent? Yeah, it's this real interesting one, isn't it? Because lots of people are, are crying out to see um, Troy Parrott get some game time, aren't they? Um, and, I, and I guess, you know, there, there's a fine line where you kind of bring someone in to play some games. Um, but maybe Jose was kind of thinking, well, you know, if, if I play him in this game and he suddenly doesn't get a touch and, you know, you know we don't really have much of the ball, do I, do I do the kid more harm because everyone's expecting, you know, brilliant stuff from him straight away? Um, and then after that sort of performance, people will be going, oh, well, that Troy Parrott didn't do nothing, did he? So he's not that special to write home about. I, I think Jose probably wanted to see more of the senior fringe players to see what they've got about them um, and whether he could, you know, any of them will feature in his long-term plans. Um, you would have thought maybe Parrot could have come on in the second half, you know, maybe 20-minute, half-hour run out where, it, you know, if, if he hadn't touched it or didn't do too much and it's not so highlighted as such. Um, but I think Jose probably knew what he was doing. He just wanted to see what he had. And, you know, you never know with Jose. That might have been a message to the, to the board, possibly, to kind of sort of say, well, look, you know, what, what's here in reserve isn't going to be good enough. Um, so when January comes, if you don't think you're going to get the checkbook out and help me out possibly with a couple of players, then you, you might need to think twice about that. OK, that's all the Champions League chat out of the way. Now it's a battle to get back in there because Sunday saw what I guess, Cole, can only be described as a smash and grab victory. So many times we've been the victim of this, but this time we came away smiling. Well, we got our first proper Jose shithouse win, didn't we? Absolutely, yes. Because, you know, this this was what Jose was brought in to get, wasn't it? These sort of, you know, these sort of wins over the line. Um, And as you rightly say, Dan, you know, 
how we've managed to come out of that with a one point possibly, let alone even all three, it, it is beyond me because, yeah, we were pummeled. Um, and I think even if Wolves had managed to slowly get the point, they would have sat there and gone, well, that's two dropped. Um, so the fact they've got nothing now, um, they must be they must have been sitting in that changing room scratching their heads saying, I don't understand that, uh, what's happened here. Um, so, yeah, but I'll take it because those are the sort of games we wouldn't have got over the line and we weren't winning in the past. We've all come on podcasts afterwards and said, you know, we, you know, we need to see the dark arts and a bit more, you know, a bit more performance where if we're not playing well, we still get a win over the line. Um, so it, it was kind of good to see. And, you know, beating Wolves away, again, it's just something that adds another layer of confidence to those players at the moment. Because, again, it will be almost like this is what this manager could do for us. Well, I mean, exactly. You've seen a swashbuckling side last week, a 5-0 demolition of Burnley. And everyone's sort of thinking, well, actually, maybe this critique of Mourinho's defensively minded is a little bit, you know, dated perhaps and a little bit of a cliche. But at the same time, Steve, you need it. Sometimes you need to be pragmatic. And yesterday, as Carl says, was the perfect example of that. Well, negatives first, giving the ball away constantly. Um, and I think we did the same against Man United. You, Harry Redknapp, before the Man United game, talked about that, that, you know, our front four, which is brilliant. Um, you know, when, when they're all on song and it's kind of like give them the ball and the two guys giving them the ball at the moment are Dyer and Sissoko um, and Sissoko is a little bit better than Dyer at it because Dyer just keeps giving the ball away um, but you know the other guys are, are guilty of it as well and also uh, they, work, they need to work on their control because there was a couple of times when the ball is being fizzed into them and you think, yeah, it's a bit of a hard, harder pass, but you've got to cushion it a bit better than that. So it's very, very similar where you think all you have to do, Sonny, Mora, even Kane quite a lot uh, during the game, um, particularly first half, I think, um, is you know, get, get the ball to them and let them do their stuff. Um, and you just think, and it, it, it's, you get the ball, little one, two, and you're away because we've got the pace, we've got, got we know we've got the finishing. Um, and it was kind of like every time we had the ball, um, you think, yeah, we're away here, and then we give it away again. So that, they're, they're the negatives. Um, Wolves, obviously, everyone's banged on about how brilliant they were. Um, and listen, how many times have we played Wolves at our place? Absolutely pummeled them. And uh, got nothing out of the game. I remember, a, was it a Giovanni free kick one year? Um, was this the game? Was it Wolves who had the goalie? Um, Robbie Keane had about 10 chances. Um, Thomas Meyer or something. Was that Wolves, can you remember? Oh. Or was it uh, might be Hull? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think that was Wolves. And it might be Wolves or Hull. Yeah, what whole, one of them. But, you know, certainly for, for the last 10, 15 years, every time we've played Wolves, we've been by far the better side, and particularly at home. So, look, you know, it's nice to see it the other way around. It's, it's, it was interesting. As soon as I started watching the game, I thought, oh, blimey, we look exactly like Chelsea because <laughs> we had the, it was blue, blue, white. And I thought, well, what's Mourinho done here? He, he, he made us look like Chelsea. And, of course, it was a typical Chelsea performance. Um, we were um, strong look at going forward on the counter-attack. Uh, we defended well, um, didn't play particularly well and rode our luck like mad. And it, it, it was like watching Mourinho or, or, or all those Chelsea performances. Anyone remembers the two, uh, two European Cup finals they played where they got absolutely outplayed by Bayern Munich one year, uh, Benfica the next year and somehow come away with the trophy both times. But... 
you know, more, more the merrier. I mean, again, 20, 20 years, 30 years of watching Spurs pummel teams, um, get, you know, get nothing. And, uh, you know, you can count on one hand the number of times that you have seen Spurs uh, get, get, you know, pummeled the other way and come away with a win. I mean, it's just unheard of. Fantastic. It may have been back to the wall for a lot of the game, but Carl, it was the perfect start. Lucas Mora. So that leads on to another listener's question. It's one that comes from another regular contributor, this being Jack Law. He asks, will this Wolves game finally get the Lucas haters off his back? He's there to score and press, and he's doing both under Jose Mourinho. So not only is he doing that, it seems to be that Mourinho's playing him to his strengths, and now he's scoring regularly. So what more do people expect from him? Yeah, it's a tough one for me this, Dan, because I, I'm one of those that, if I'm honest, I, I'm probably a little bit harsh on Moore and myself because, you know, he, he does do well and he can have an impact. But then there are lots of times during games where he can go go missing for long spells. Um, and then, you know, I'm glad Steve mentioned it earlier. You know, for me, I kind of feel their goal started from Mora and a lack of him being able to hold the ball up as well as he should have done. You know, a ball was passed into him. We're in their half. He takes a slack touch, doesn't, you know, doesn't shield it the way he should do and allow us a bit of time to kind of recover and regroup. And they're on us breaking and the goal comes. Um, There's no denying you know, he, he, he's a patchy player for me. You know, he's one of those players I feel is a little bit patchy where, you know, he can have a couple of good games. Then he'll have, you know, two or three games where he's very quiet. And by the time the game finishes, you're kind of sitting there going, it was more on the pitch because, you know, I couldn't really tell if he was playing or not today. Um, I, for me, he's a good squad player. Um, and at the moment, you can't argue it was a brilliant, brilliant goal. Took it really well, you know, hit it so hard. The goalkeeper didn't even see it go past him and a great run into the box. He, for me, he's just frustrating because he's capable of that. But then in the next minute, he's capable of beating two men and then letting the ball get stuck under his feet and losing it. So for me, he's one of the better squad players we've got. Um, and at the moment, you can argue with him getting a start in the next game for sure. Steve, does it boil down to the fact that Yes, he's losing the ball more, but at least that's coming with more minutes on the pitch. I guess you can see that when he's playing more, he can do more positive things than opposed to sort of just getting three or four minutes at the end and everyone goes, well, what is he actually doing? So, yes, there are sort of signs where he's not quite perfect, but the more you play him, the better chance you've got of actually something good coming out of him. Well, yeah, there's, there's, look, there's, I, I was just about to say, there's no one really knocking on the door. Um, but then Sessignon did play really well. And I, 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 I did tweet that I thought Sessignon should have started against Wolves and just give Mora a break. And, you know, bring him on, of, of course. But, uh, you know, give Sessignon the start. Um, you know, what do I know? He scores after eight minutes. Um, I, I think we're all agreed about Mora, really. You know, the question is, are people going to stop slagging him off or whatever it's I, I don't I really haven't heard that you know I think he just he shows moments of magic uh, and then he disappears for games <laughs> Not, nothing like some of the players we've had in the past I mean Rule Fox would play one week brilliant and then you wouldn't see him for two months um, you know Aaron Lennon I remember uh, watching him play many many games where he he, he you know he virtually started every game didn't he but he'd get the ball run straight at the fullback the fullback would get uh, get um, booked in the first 10 minutes and you think brilliant keep running at him and he kept turning back inside that rest of the match and you think what are you doing run at the fullback which funnily enough is what the lad Triori did um, you know obviously his instructions are run run at the fullback but funnily enough 
sorry, I'm going all over the place here, but we got four bookings, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it in a minute. The only person that didn't get booked, Jan Vertonghen, and he was the one that was marketing. So really interested on that. But no, um, yeah, no, no, good stuff. Um, I just think that um, with Lucas Mora, um, he, he's like I say, no one's really knocking on the door. I'd like to see Cessignon, you know, take come in a little bit more, see a little bit more of him. Um, but we know Ericsson's situation. Um, I know for a fact that he, he, uh, Toby, Jan, and even Danny Rose in training are absolutely no problem whatsoever so we've got no strops going on there's no um you know uh, strikes there's no one coming in late you know unlike you know up the road um with all that business going on as, as far as i've i've heard and i've got really very good sources um, they're all coming in and training um really really well so that's why if you're wondering why ericsson's coming on uh, with a couple of minutes to go rather than lachelso it's because he's showing you know, decent enough attitude, um, but just the the contract situations are are hard, and uh, you know, but we don't know what conversations are going on. But um, that's why Mora's playing because Ericsson's still up in the air. And Carl, when you sort of think about the continuity that this team has now, is that a benefit to the club? Because when you look at say Poch's final few weeks, there was a lot of chopping and changing, almost a sign of desperation, a case of throwing any mud at the wall, seeing what will stick. And now it seems to be there's a bit more solidity. You know, there's a first 11. Admittedly, there's not many people knocking at the door, but at the same time, it's like, right, this is our team. We can build on that each week. And the signs are already looking positive. Yeah, well, I think, you know, when you listen to ex-pros on, you know, sports shows and debate shows talking about, you know, all these sorts of things, you know, Sunday supplements and the debate on Sky and that, they'll all say to you, won't they, that, you know, they want to play week in, week out. And the more you allow them to play, the more they gel together, you know, get to know each other's game, that kind of thing. And suddenly, you know, it fits into place. So the, the kind of form, you know, it is, you know, indicative of a team that are starting to be able to play together, get to know each other's strengths, getting used to one another. Um, because, like, as you say, yeah, you know, Pochi's last few games was just a case of, well, actually, OK, maybe I'll try you in this position and see how you get on. Whereas now we're letting players play into some form, get some confidence about them, feel like they've got their start in place. And, you know, they don't have to constantly week in, week out, be changing and learning something new. You know, all of a sudden Sanchez going to right back when he's a centre half. Um, and I think, yeah, we're seeing that. Um, and I think Jose will stick with that. You know, I don't see him being one who's going to constantly chop and change the side just for the sake of trying something new. You know, if, it, if it's working, he'll stick with it uh, and that will only be a good thing. And Steve, one of those players who has pretty much made a first-team case for himself at the moment is Eric Dyer. He's still splitting opinion, but he nearly capped off a brilliant move late in the first half yesterday. Unfortunately, though, he dragged his shot. I guess you could argue that someone with a bit more attacking nows would have probably sorted that home. Yeah, um, it's a shame because uh, I'm an Eric Dyer fan. I, I always talk about him as if, um, you know, I'm hoping that the, the, the Eric Dyer of a couple of seasons ago comes back um, and I'd still pick him in the team because I still, you know, sorry to sound like a broken record, but I wouldn't want to play against him. Um, and I think he does a lot. And I know people say this, but I think he does a lot, um, you know, for the team. Um, I think he won a few, obviously very good in the air um, and he does cover and he allows Sissoko to push on as well. Um, so look, I'd still play uh, Dyer. Um, the name's being bounded about, um, uh, blooming for me, not for, uh, who's the guy with the hair? 
That rounds it down, didn't it? <laughs> we had we had a United. He had Matic and Fellaini. Yes. You know, they're, they're the names being bounded about as, as, as someone potentially coming in. And no, no way, you know, st- stick with Dyer if you're going to go with either of those. Um, so, you know, play, like you say, playing more. And uh, yeah, he might make a few mistakes. And, and But but I, I think he's, his positive uh, contributions far outweigh the negative. Um, and, uh, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a bloke who I, uh, I love, as the chant goes. He loves me. Cole, you got a feeling that it was always going to be a game where Spurs were going to have to score two goals. And that was certainly the case when Adama Traore flashed home a drive after the interval. I guess you could say, great finish, poor defending from us. Yeah, yeah. As I said earlier, you know, I think that goal stemmed from us, you know, giving the ball away sloppy. Then we kind of backed off a little bit too much and let him, you know, get too, too close to the edge of our box. Um, you know, I think there's a clip where you can see Sanchez goes on just a mad one and suddenly starts running in all times, all types of directions rather than, you know, either make a decision to go out to him. Obviously, you know, Dyer and that, no one gets close to him. But, you know, fantastic strike at the end of it from outside the box because no one really expected it from him because as much as that guy's got pace and he's getting better and better, he is one of those players that can have all pace, you know, and then no end product. So for him to flash one home from there, I think even some of the Wolves fans would have been surprised, but it was a fantastic finish. And sometimes you can't do much about a shot when it's hit like that. You know, you just have to go, well, fair play. Um, but yeah, I think we probably defensively could have done a little bit better in everything around that goal. You know, if we kept the ball better up front, like Steve said earlier, you know, I do think some of our players, we need to get better at our hold-up play. You know, the forward guys, you know, Delhi, you know, Delhi, Mora, Son, they sometimes can be too guilty of losing the possession too easily and not being strong enough, shielding and holding the ball up, which then allows your defence and midfield to kind of regroup, move up the pitch a little bit. Um, and yeah, they're, they're all things I think we're going to work on and we'll see us gradually get better at that over the course of the season as Jose starts building us up and you know making us a better team defensively. Once level, Steve, it really was back to the walls and there was almost a sense of dark arts from us at that point. Tactical fouls, I think, are the best way to explain it. You hate to see them against your players. You know, when you've got your winger clean through, you hate it. But you nod your head when your own team dish them out. Well, you've said... We've seen it for, for uh, the last 30 years. We've seen it, you know, with Ginola. Um, there's a very famous, again, story, Gary Neville tell, tells it, when uh, we were playing against um, Man United uh, in the last game of the season. They needed to win the game. Um, and Gary Neville, before the game, was like, great, we need to win this game. And I've got Ginola against me, you know, the best, best winger in the, in the business. And he kicked him and he went off after 10 minutes. And he rubbed his hands together and went, great. Well, that's that dealt with. And the guy who was talking to him laughed and then they carried on the story and carried on with whatever. No one ever turned around and went, well, you know what, Gary, you shouldn't have done that. That's really against, you know, the nature of this business. And uh, no, that's wrong. No one ever said that to him. And the number of times Gareth Bale was taken out. Who's the lad um, who took him out twice? Uh, Charlie Adam. Charlie Adam. Charlie Adam took him out twice. Once uh, in, in a preseason game. Um, uh, when he was playing for Liverpool. And another time, I think he was playing for Stoke. And in that season, we were going for top four. No, I think we, I think we were going for the top three because that was the season that Chelsea got in ahead of us. And he took him out. And he was out for the last um, five or six games because of, of another Charlie Adam um, tackle. 
So we've had it on us constantly. Aaron Lennon was always targeted, as I said. Um, and I think, you know, if, if, we, if there's any Wolf fan, Wolves fans listening, um, what, you, what your man Traore uh, should have done was he should have got on stood next to uh, the guys that were getting booked. Rather than, because Vertonghen, yeah, we know he's so bright. Um, he's the one that didn't get booked. So well, after he got after he got booked, uh, Older Verald and Dyer should have just run at those two because they would have probably took him down again and got a red card. Um, the tactical fouls, well, look, I, I've never seen it before. Um, so again, very rarely have I ever seen Spurs uh, win a game um, where we didn't deserve to. And do these tactical fouls. And we have been saying it for years. We need to get nastier. Um, you know, you've got the club up the road who, for the last 10 years, certainly after, you know, the two lags got their legs broken, instead of going, well, we need to fight back, they went, you know, it's this whole, oh, they want to kick us and uh, we play football the right way. Well, you can do that or you can go back to being like Tony Adams and Martin Keown and being horrible again. Which, which was the Arsenal that I hated. I'm loving this current Arsenal side. They're such wimps. We have been wimps for years and years and years and years. And now we've got a team that kicks people up in the air. And I'm loving it. Eric Dyer was one example of hauling down a Darmatore. And even Cole, Harry Kane was not afraid to take one for the team yesterday. Not the best performance from him, it must be said. But at least the rest of the team didn't go missing. Because we sort of said a couple of weeks going now that when he doesn't quite click, it seems to go... Just uh, um, you know, missing for everyone. Yesterday, not the case though. Yeah, obviously, was wasn't one of Harry's best games. But again, you know, when you look at the game as a whole, we didn't have enough possession and enough of the ball to kind of play to his strengths. But as you say, he did his job. You know, he put himself around. Um, and and we, when we look at that game as well, you know, let's be honest, Wolves weren't as innocent as they're trying to make out as well. You know, there were a number of tackles on our players at certain points when they were breaking. You know, you had one on Kane near the end of the game where, you know, the defender just comes over, Kane knocks it past him and he, he basically shoves him into the stands almost. Um, so, yeah, you know, not, not his best game. Took one for the team in getting a booking because I think he knew like someone else has now got to get involved and, and give this guy a little kick and put him off his game. Um, and, and that's kind of what leaders, leaders do, isn't it? So... It, it, that was just one of them nice games to watch where it's like, yes, this isn't pretty, but this is, again, what this manager has been brought in for. If it ain't pretty, at least just don't lose and possibly get an ugly win behind you. Get three points, get out and start again next week. And Steve, with the rain lashing down, it looked like if there was going to be one winner, it was Wolves. And that was certainly nearly the case when Gazaniga made an incredible save. He probably won't get the plaudits, but he certainly deserves them. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, he played very, very well. Um, and uh, he's another guy that I'm, I'm, I'm being very far more impressed with. I mean, if you think about, you know, when we've had goalkeepers first and goalkeepers, in fact, um, you know, uh, who have been, you know, pretty rubbish, really, um, over the years. Um, and we've got, you know, this is our number two. Um, and I'm being really impressed with him. I don't really understand the criticism he's been getting um, from from some other people, um, so I think he's been great. But just on the Traore thing, um, you know, he's, he's a player that, in my opinion, is probably the best player that we've faced this year. And I think as a club, again, you know, we, we, we're doing we're, we're doing the dark arts now. We're doing uh, tactical fouls. We're winning ugly. 
what we need to do, the next thing for Spurs to do is to go to one of these other sides and go and nick their best players. So I'm talking about, you know, it's very, very hard. There's certainly no one um, at Arsenal, apart from maybe the goalkeeper, um, who I would happily um, go and get. <laughs> talking about Kazanega. Um But, uh, you know, because I think the goalkeeper is very, very good. Um, there's no one at Chelsea. I don't think we could really go and buy anyone from Chelsea. Uh, but I think we could go to Sheffield United and get one of their, their players because they're doing terrifically well. But certainly in January, put a little bid in for Triori. You know, even if it's rejected out of hand, at least put it in the media so that that kid is thinking about it. You know, we know the super agent at Wolves. I don't know if he's his agent, but he probably is. He's, he's Jose Mourinho's best mate. So let's start being let's start being a little bit sneaky in that way as well. You know, these other clubs constantly on about, you know, want to buy our players. Let's be one of them. Let's be horrible in that way as well. You know, I'm loving this new horrible stuff, but we need to up it again and just go, look, Mourinho, come out and say, yeah, I, I like the lad. So, uh, you know, he's another player at the moment. You know, do all that tactical stuff with tapping up without actually officially tapping up. But um, I would love to see that lad in a Spurs shirt. I don't know about you boys. Yeah, I mean, it'd certainly be a useful addition. I don't know where exactly he'd sort of start in our first level, but what an impact sub he'd be. I mean, it certainly could be yeah, Lucas Impact Moore. sub, fantastic. Yes. But, um, Carl, I guess if we work on that theory, is there something to be said that Spurs need to just become the shithouse team? For a while now, under Potch, we were sort of, I wouldn't say everyone's second favourite club, but a lot of neutrals liked us. The way we were sort of perhaps blooding the nose of the big clubs with our lesser budgets and nearly getting over the line. Now, it's like, do you know what? We tried that. It didn't get us anywhere in the grand scheme of things. Why not be like Chelsea from 2005 or Chelsea in Mourinho's second range? Do you know what I mean? Just be a right nasty pair of bastards. And if it means winning the title, <laughs> forget about everyone else and what they think. Let's just get something won. Yeah, well, that's it, isn't it? Everyone likes the plucky runner-up that you know actually isn't a real threat to you when it really comes to it. And and that's why people liked us under Poch, because there was always that feeling of, yeah, you know, good old Tottenham, they play the right way, because actually this team, when it comes to it, they won't be the real threat to us that we, we, we need to worry about. Whereas now, I think people are starting to maybe think, oh, hold on a minute. You know, if this if this manager comes in and has found that re, you know spark and rekindles some of that success that he's had in his career, then this could be the bloke that finally actually turns Tottenham into this team that give everyone their worst nightmare and we actually win something and start becoming a team that actually people go, this team could win a title here and they might do it ugly. Um, and we've said for years, you know, I fully agree. So you know, I'd I'd win, I'd happily win thirty eight games of a season one nil boring if it meant come that last game of the season, we're lifting that Premier League trophy with the, we, you know, we are the champions music playing in the background. You know, I'd rather see that than, yeah, we had a great season. There were some brilliant 4-4s and 4-3 defeats and 4-3 wins, but we finished fifth, sixth, and we didn't, you know, got to the quarters of both cups, but eventually we've done nothing. Um, so, and I agree with Steve, you know, we do need to become one of those sides, you know, we can't pay the money to bring in the top players by the looks of it. So that's going to nab the best of the rest, you know, let's go around and get him, you know, you're not telling me there isn't one Sheffield United player that wouldn't jump straight away without thinking twice from them to us next season, you know, even Leicester, why can't we go and poach some of Leicester's best players, you know, and, and that's what we do need to become, you know, we do need to be one of these teams that go, yeah, we want him, we want you, mate, next season, what, are you up for it, January, do you want to come? 
and, and get those players to be the ones that go to their agents and say, yeah, I want out of this club or I'm going AWOL if I don't get my move to Spurs. And, and that's, yeah, I, I'm all for it. You know, if we start seeing that, then, you know, bring it on. Steve, one thing that Potts used to get stick for was, was his late substitutions. In fairness to Mourinho yesterday, though, the late introduction of Christian Eriksen proved to be the decisive masterstroke. Well, uh, he <laughs> he hit the far post, didn't he? Uh, which, you know, is, is amazing because Poch must have been looking at it and going, well, he never blimmin' did that for me, <laughs> uh, you know. So, um, like I say, Ericsson coming on, a lot of eye-rolling, a lot of people going, well, wait there, we've got other guys on the bench. But like I said, you know, I got it from a very good source that he, he is, uh, you know, not showing anything but full commitment um, to, to the club, um, apart from the fact that we know that he is uh, also really wanting to finish his career at this stage or, you know, at this stage, fancies a little move somewhere else. Um, you know what? You know, we talked before about not getting into uh, controversial things, but Mourinho, when he said uh, what what me and Christian Eriksen talked about, will stay personal. You know, we'll stay... He told me a few things and I... You know, I just wonder about that story, you know, about the Tonga and you're like, right there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it, it could be one of those. Um, yeah, it could be all true. And that's the reason why it's it's just not panning out because, it, you know, he's also not playing very well for Denmark, apparently. But, um, look, you know, as long as the guy, you know, isn't throwing strops, you know, the, 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 the other guy, Danny Rose, I mean, he just... It frustrates me so much because I've supported him throughout this whole process and and everything he's come out and said. But you know his performance the other night was just it was just awful. Um, so you know I just think that um, uh, you know I, I did think it was strange that he made uh, changes so late on, um, and it was strange that he didn't play Troy Parrott um, the other day. Um, so you know some things are are a bit. Strange, something's not. What what we haven't seen from Mourinho yet, and 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 he won't really see it against Lampard, but we haven't really seen him against one of the big, you know, the big name managers. So on eleventh, I think it's the eleventh of Jan, we're playing um, Liverpool. You know, that'd be really interesting to see the build up. Um, you know, with Klopp in, in in the other corner, if you like, and on the pitch, you know, uh, the, the two managers that show so much passion and stand on on the edge of their technical area for the entire game. That is going to be some uh, something to something to see because you know I, all this nicey nicey Mourinho that we're seeing at the moment is. Uh, May may well change. And just one more thing. Uh, I say nicey-nicey. I loved his comments after the game when he said, Wolves are brilliant, their manager's brilliant, our players, you know, got stuck in. Um, but the referee, oh, what a fantastic performance by the referee. Because you know the number of times that we've played against the Mourinho side and you think the referee's been awful. And he comes out and says, you know, yes, the referee was great. And you go, oh, that's so annoying, you know. But he's, he's, he's on our side now. We've got Mourinho, the ultimate wind-up merchant, and he's now on my team, and I'm loving it. Cole, Jan Vertonghen, he may have been absolutely run ragged by Adama Traore on Sunday, but that header from roughly, what, 14 yards gave him the last laugh, and more importantly, gave us three points in what is now a really hotly contested race for the top four. 
Yeah, I, I was quite surprised, Dan, because t to be honest, if we'd conceded that, I, I wouldn't have been too happy, to be honest. I thought it was a poor goal to concede from obviously a defensive point of view. And actually, it wasn't the greatest header. You know, it wasn't exactly like a bullet header that goes, you know, top corner and the goalkeeper doesn't have a chance. You know, I think quite fortunate that the goalkeeper allowed that to go in. But he was in the right place at the right time. You know, you know, there's, there's no time on the clock. So you just got to get up there. He got the header on target did the job, had a, had a solid game against a difficult player and marshalled him quite well uh, and just great. You know, we get to see the Superman running off celebrating again, don't we? And he puts us in pole position for the Chelsea game coming up, doesn't he? So that, that could be a massive goal in our season. Yeah, we'll come to the Chelsea game very quickly, but just one more question about the uh, game on Sunday, Steve. There yeah. wasn't too much bus parking, but as soon as you got to the 92nd minute, you could see that they couldn't get the subs on quick enough, could they? Foyth no. and Winks coming on, and it leads us to ask one question from uh, someone on Twitter. He says that is Yao Sacramento the real tactical genius behind that? Oh, uh, no idea, no idea on that one. Uh, it's just uh, there's lots of great pictures of the the bench um, and uh, them celebrating the goal. So there's what there's one video that was going around on Twitter earlier on today. Uh, which was just really Mourinho going down on his knees. And then there's another one. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's from the other side of the ground. And it, and it just focuses on, on the whole bench. That bench went absolutely crazy. Uh, all the physios, all the subs. Uh, and, um, yeah, it just shows what, you know, what the passion is. And, and isn't just football wonderful when you can, uh, you know, watch a game like that. I mean, you couldn't take your eyes off the screen. And I was rolling my eyes and I go, oh, this is, come on Spurs, get it together. And you go and win a game like that. It's, it's, I don't know about you boys. I can't remember a game like that for Spurs. You know, we've won plenty of games where we've been terrific. Um, and we've won plenty of games where other people have said, well, they got a bit lucky there, or where we've we, we've we've got lucky and only and got a draw. But this game was a game we actually won and played pretty poorly. I mean, it's just it was a very very strange feeling. But uh, more you know, the more the merrier. I love it. Well, it I, I think the end of the game. The the end of the game reminded me of the Ajax one when we score and you know there's going to be at least another minute or so left on the clock and you're just like, right, please don't do nothing stupid here. You know, just everyone, the minute the ball comes near you, just hoof it clear, get it away. Um, and at the end, Wolves had a real decent chance, didn't they, before the final whistle where the guy, you know, slams his shot wide of the goal and you're just yes. thinking, oh, please don't concede now, you know, given it should have been the last kick of the game, just get rid of this, get it anywhere, um, bodies in front, everything, nothing fancy. Um, and that just reminded me of that Ajax game when, you know, we got that dramatic, you know, winner and you're thinking, God, God, please let us hold this out now because we'll never live this down. Yeah. Well, Lamella, Lamella thought, I'll have a bit of this. I, I, maybe I could score. And then <laughs> yeah. Soko said, hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I thought Wolves was equalised there. I thought, the moment they lift his foot, I thought, oh, great, here we go. We've just got in front, and then it's 2-2. But luckily, it flashed past the post. You could argue that might be the most pivotal result we have this season. And it leads us very nicely onto the Chelsea game this Sunday. So, if a London derby is always going to be big, then the magnitude of this one has increased considerably. Cole, it's not going to be season-defining, whatever the result. But a win over Chelsea to go above there before Christmas would be absolutely massive, wouldn't it? 
Yeah, I think when I think this is one of them that you're sitting there going, the psychological boost this will give us, given where we were when Jose took over and where Chelsea were. Um, you know, people were basically writing the top four off at that point, weren't they? And saying we've got no chance. So all of a sudden, when you consider that both teams have had, if you like, an identical run, us brilliant, them really poor, to go into this game now, I think the team that kind of get the win get a real psychological boost in that battle for the remainder the remainder of the season and top four. And if we get that win, then I suddenly think, you know, that's a young Chelsea side that suddenly now have got to start facing some pressure. Yes, Cole, that's exactly my theory as well, because I think this could be the perfect opportunity which to crack Chelsea, as it were. You know, four defeats in five. This is a young squad. They've not quite gone for a run this bad. It's how they deal with it. You look at the two teams, they're almost their trajectories are going the other way now. And Mourinho, when he took over, we were 12 points behind. Now it's three. It could be you know, none by Sunday. So it's a huge, huge game. That said, though, Steve, with that bad run for Chelsea, will Frank Lampard look at this and think, actually, do you know what? We're better on the road than at Stamford Bridge. This might be the perfect opportunity to bounce back. Well, a few games ago, I watched Chelsea and I was really, really impressed. And I thought they're nailed on uh, for that third spot. And then it's uh, one other. But it was actually uh, Leicester that kicked on. Um, and Chelsea, for some reason, have, have lost form. I haven't, to be honest with, with you, seen too many of their games. I've only seen sort of the highlights. Um, but, you know, those youngsters, two or three years ago, they were. I remember watching the Youth Cup um, finals, and they won everything, didn't they? So it's not surprising that they've got a decent side with all those, all those youngsters. Um, but they're out of form. Um, and it's, you know, obviously Mourinho versus Lampard. Um, it's at our place, um, which we're obviously, you know, we've got pretty poor record at Stanford Bridge, but we're not too bad at home. But, you know, again, Chelsea are Chelsea, and we could pummel them, and they'll, they'll turn around and get the result, because they've done it so many times over the years. Um, so, look, I think it's, I think it's a fantastic uh, game, potentially, um, and, you know, I think it's probably, is it, is it the first sort of top game we've played, uh, league game uh, in the Premier League? I think it is. I don't think we've played sort of one of the other big boys in the Premier League, league um, yet. So, you know, this is the big one. Uh, this is the one where, you know, I think the atmosphere will be what we expected it to be. Um, you know, I think the atmosphere at the uh, Man City Champions League game was amazing. Um, but this is going to be probably the best atmosphere um, that, that we've got. And, you know, wouldn't it just be lovely to uh, get, the, get the win and then you're sitting there eating your Brussels sprouts, <laughs> talking about being in the Champions League and we're fourth. I mean, that would just be the dream, wouldn't it? It would. And now it's time for the predictions. So James got his score spot on last week. So he now comes off the bottom of the table and joins myself and the guests collectively on four points. However, Cole is top of the shop with six. So, Cole, you get to go first. What do you think the score will be on Sunday? I think we're going to nick this 2-1. I think, yeah, do you know what? I'm going to copy you. I'm going to copy your homework. I'm going to go for 2-1 as well. Steve, what are you saying to represent the guests? Oh, right. OK. Well, um, oh, no. <laughs> no, I'll go. Uh, do you know what? Let's go for a Let's go for a really, really good, like a... 2-0, like, like Deli Ali a couple of seasons ago when he got those two headers. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, yeah, let's go for a 2-0. OK, and James, as you're not here, you get a 50-0 win for Tottenham. So 
Uh, best of luck with that, James. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas, James. If you do win that one, I'll be stunned. Right, that pretty much brings us to full time for this episode. So, Can I uh, say one more thing? Very quickly. My dreams were made come true this week. Do you know why? Why? My favourite band in the whole wide world are going to be playing at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Unbelievable. <laughs> and what, what Guns and Roses, baby. Right, there you go, Guns and Roses. So get, get your tickets. <laughs> I've got them. I've got them. I can't wait. Right. So on that note, so Steve's very happy, and Steve, thank you very much for your time this evening. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you'd like to join us once more. No problem. Thanks very much. Fantastic. And Cole, I believe you'll be joining me next week for our, I guess, Christmas party. Nothing too different, but it'll be the last one before we have a Christmas break. Yeah, definitely, Dan. Looking forward to it, mate. Fantastic. So, if you have any questions or comments for that show, please send them to me at DanTracy1983, can't remember my own name, or ComeOnYouSpurs underscore COM. Not only that, but if you're listening via Apple Podcasts, please leave us a nice review so we can move further up the league table. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy, and as always, come on you Spurs! For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.